we need you, Jesus. And so, God, we ask that you will help us um, lift the, the words in your holy book off the paper and write it in our hearts. We need to hear from you. Remove all the distractions so we can do that. Thank you for preserving this word. May it minister to every soul, whether a kid, whether a student, or whether an adult, or whether a seasoned saint. May every person heart be good soil so that the seed of the word takes root in Jesus' name. Everybody said? All right, may you stand. Let's read the word of Lord, whatever campus you're watching us at. Stand and let's read the word of the Lord together. We have four verses to read today. This is a well-known story and the challenge is going to be you're going to think you know all about this story, but you don't. So I need you to get a hold of this story. It's about Mary and Martha. Somebody say Mary. Somebody say Martha. The challenge with this story is that most theologians want to make Martha the villain and Mary the hero. I want to suggest to you today that that is absolutely theological in, theologically incorrect. And you're going to see today that Martha ain't no villain and Mary ain't no princess that's just have a halo on her head. Let's talk about it as you go to the word today. Here we go. Let's read the word of the Lord, everybody. Here's what it says. Read it with me. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed to her home. Okay, so here, let me give you the scene. Jesus is coming by. Martha hears about it. She's the aggressive one. She's the one that talks a lot. So she go make friends with Jesus. Say, hey, hey, bro, you need to come over here, and you need to come to my house. My house. But Mary, Martha has some issues, which we're going to find out. But she says, I'm going to go get him and bring him to my house. That's what this verse is saying. She went and got him. Mary didn't go get him. So be careful when you want to highlight Mary as if Mary is the, is the you know, like the, this is the chosen one. No, no, no. No, no, no. If Martha wasn't there, Jesus wouldn't have come to the house. So Martha went and got him. Next verse. What's the next verse? She had a sister called Mm, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. Lord, have mercy. So Martha got him, and Mary sinned. Martha did all the work to get him to come to the house. Mary says, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. And she just sat at his feet and worshiped. To which Martha, the text don't say this, but I am inferring it. To which Martha saying, lazy girl, you better get up from there and let's come get this work done. You didn't do no work to get him here, but now you want to sit at his feet? Watch the text, next verse. The verse says, whenever you see a but, it means there's a problem. <laughs> it means problem, problem, problem. Mary is sitting at his feet. Let's see what Martha is doing. But Martha was, stop right there. Circle that word in your Bible, put an asterisk beside it. One of two words that will help us unlock this whole passage. She was distracted. She was pulled away. She, was, she considered something more important. By the way, just so you know, you're distracted too. So let me put you in the text. 2,000, about 600 and plus times, every day you touch your cell phone. 2,600, you... Touching your cell phone. So you distracted too. The number one cause of accidents in America is 
trying to slap a kid. <laughs> trying to talk on the phone. Here we go. So just call your name. But I, you just say, but my name was distracted. Ready? Let's read it together. But was distracted with all her preparations. Stop right there. Anybody distracted with preparations for Christmas? Anybody trying to make sure your house have the little sign that says house of the month? Anybody distracted with lights of the month? You know, you put your lights in your house or lights on your apartment and you want to get apartment of the month. <laughs> Here we go. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. Now, this is where you laugh at the Bible. Because Martha crazy. Martha goes to the God of the universe. I said, let me tell you what you need to tell her. Because this is a lazy girl right here trying to be all goody two-shoes. Hello, how you doing, Lord? Good to see you, Jesus. Tell her to get her tail up. Tell her to get herself up and come and help me serve. How's she going to tell Jesus that? Girl, my mama would say, keep her your mouth. You don't need to know what that means. That just means shut up. Mind your own business. Watch it. Next verse. Verse 41. Here we go. It says, But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about Put your name in there again. You are worried and bothered about so many things. You're too worried. You're too bothered. Relax. Go sit at Jesus' feet and stop being bothered and worried about so many things. Last verse. Important phrase in this last verse. Don't miss it or you miss the whole understanding of the passage. Here we go. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen, this phrase right here, the good part. But Mary has chosen the good part. Last time. But Mary has chosen the good part. No, that word good part comes from, comes from the concept of food. So it's like you have a pie. And Mary has chosen the good part of the food. She didn't choose the bad part. She chose the good part. We're going to make that plain in a minute. Two words. Distracted and the good part. Don't miss it. It's a foot. He takes an image out of Psalm 16, verse 5, and he's going to bring it into this passage and says she has chosen the good part. Remember, later Jesus is going to say, I am the bread of life. Food reference. It's going to make sense in a minute. Here we go. Which shall not be taken away from me, from her. You may be seated. I want to talk to you about the subject, <laughs> making room for God. Making room for God. I, I, I want to address the fact that um, your life is too cluttered. My life has a tendency to be too cluttered, and we have not made room for God. 
And so as you go through this passage, you're going to see, don't miss this, a, a principle that's working in the background of the life. There is a principle all the time. It's working in the background of Mary and Martha's life, and it's working in the background of your life as well. Nobody tells you about it, but it is operating today in the background of your life. If you're a student, listen up to me, please. If you're an adult, listen up, because this principle will follow you until the day you die. It is currently, today, working in the background of your life. You just don't realize it. You don't. And I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to explain it here in a minute. Now, in this, in this passage, oftentimes, they make one the villain and one the hero. I want to suggest to you that the issue is not Mary versus Martha. The issue is Mary before Martha. One more time. The issue is not Mary versus Martha. He does not rebuke her in the passage. He is talking about a moment that shows up. The issue is not Mary versus Martha. The issue is Mary before Martha. Say that with me. The issue is not Mary versus Martha. The issue is Mary before Martha. I call it, we need Mary moments before Martha tendencies. We need Mary moments before Martha tendencies. You say now, we need Mary moments before Martha tendencies. Last time, we need Mary before Martha's. You got it. Now, as we go through this passage, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to see the principle that is operating in life. Um, everybody has love languages. Everybody does. Um, uh, some people like uh, physical touch. Some people like uh, 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 words of affirmation. Some people like quality time. Some people like acts of service. What you're going to find out in this passage is what Jesus' love language is. Some people think Jesus' love language is serving because what you express and what you experience sometimes does not align. Some people think, well, I love some, when I love somebody, I'm going to serve them because that's the way you receive love. But if you're going to love in an authentic way, you've got to find out how they receive love and then love them the way they want to be loved and not love them the way you want to be loved. You need to express how you want to be loved, and then you need to ask the question, how do you want, how, when I do this, does that mean, and do you interpret it as I loving you? Well, for Jesus, most of us sometimes think the way Jesus wants to be loved primarily is through service, and it is not. It is a part of his love language, but the primary love language with Jesus is twofold, quality time unhurried time with you, and number two, words of affirmation where you're telling him in worship how great and how amazing he is. Ladies and gentlemen, do not be deceived that God wants what you do before he wants you before him. In light of that, we're going through a whole series, and the series is suggesting that the local church globally is struggling because there are seven pathways or seven mansions to the heart and that we should be progressing to door number three, four, five, six, and seven. And most Christians get stuck in door number three. 
this entire series have been arguing that we need to move from door number three and we need to progress to door number four, five, six, and seven. So today, I want to show you just a little bit of what door number six or heart number six should look like. Take a look at this. Here are the passion for God's love. When, when, when your heart's open to who God is, when you're growing in your maturity, if you look at the back of your notes, you'll see it. It's all there for you. Your heart's desire at, at, at uh, pathway number six is or will fully occupied with God. That means, God, all I want to do is live out my life for you. There is, no, there is no dichotomy between who I am and what God wants. You're living for God. Nobody has to tell you to go tell somebody about Jesus. It's a part of your lifestyle. It's not something somebody has to coax you or encourage you to do. It's what you do every moment that you get the opportunity. When a co-worker is down, you tell her how you deal with it through Jesus Christ. When you go to the grocery store and you can help somebody, you're helping them, and you're making the, taking the opportunity to tell them about your relationship with God. That's normal for the person that's living here. It's not Jesus on the side and you pick him up when you need to. It's Jesus is a part of who you are. It's your daily experience with him. Number two says, you're not attached to things. All of us are affected by this. We're not attached to things. Our hands are open. And we're saying, Jesus, all of this came from you. And therefore, whenever you want to call on it, be my guest. You can call on it, God. I am not hoarding, nor am I storing. I have an open hand philosophy. So whatever you need, you can freely receive because I own none of it, and I am not attached to it, and I will not let my heart get attached to it. Come on, somebody. Give God a round of applause for that. When it gets to key activities, you're living gospel-specific in your everyday circumstances. The gospel, the good news that you were a sinner and a savior saved you and took you out of the mess and that you're now his spokesperson to represent those who find themselves in the mess. That's what you do. You're more responsive to God movements. When you see God doing something, he doesn't have to tell you 15 times. He has to tell you one time. He doesn't have to convince you. He doesn't have to turn the heat up for you. When he tells you, I'm moving in this area, you align with God and you move with God. You don't have to wait for God to whisper. He's not yelling. He's whispering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to bless that sister. I want you to bless that couple. I want you to bless. I want you to do this. I want you to help. Whatever. You don't have to, you, he doesn't have to beg you and tell you a hundred times. He doesn't say, well, you don't have to come up. You don't have to reason away every single thing God says. He whispers and you'll be like, well, they should have been more responsible. He whispers and says, well, why, he need to go get a better job. He whispers, I want you to just bless them. I didn't ask if they're worthy of the blessing, just bless them. You don't determine that I do. I just want you to bless them. Just release it to them so that I can do my move that I'm trying to make. Quit hindering God's move because of your close-handedness. Keys for growth, responding to God's initiatives, obedience in serving and prayer, discerning God's movements, and uncluttering your life. I can talk about that one all day, uncluttering your life. Because for way too many of us, our lives are too cluttered. No wonder there's no room for God. You put God on the periphery of your life, and you only run to him when you need something. And he said, no, when, when, when you're at door number six, this is normal for you. You know, that's why you have the rhythms. We're calling the whole series sacred rhythms. That's why you have the rhythms to make sure that you're staying uncluttered and you're allowing your life to be focused and intentional and you're allowing God to show up. 
in that life on a daily basis. But there is something that hinders it that's working behind the scenes. And I don't want you to miss it. So let's talk about it now. Let, let me introduce the concept for you because it shows up in Mary and Martha's story. What is that concept? It is, if you want to know what you really value. See, there's something that has your attention. It's just not God. And sometimes you don't like telling yourself the truth, so I'm going to reveal it to you today. Because there's something that's holding you back from carving out 30 minutes to pour your life into God and then listen to him download to you. What is that? Here's how it goes. What we value, listen, don't miss this. What we value, this will follow you for the rest of your life till you die. What you value, you always give attention to. What you, what you consider most important, you give attention to that. And what you give most attention to grows. Let me say it again. What you value, what you consider most important, what you cherish, your treasure, you going to give attention to it. It's working in the background of your life. And what you give attention to grows. You still don't get it, do you? Let me help you out. I know you value money, so you're going to give attention to it, which is why you check and see how you're doing every day. And the more you check it and pay attention to it, you make adjustments to it, which is why it grows. Because you spend your life focused on it. <laughs> oh, I'm going somewhere. <laughs> so if you ever want to know objectively, what you value, look what's growing in your life. This side don't get it. Come over here. If you want to know what you really, really value, then you must look at what's growing because whatever is growing, you're giving attention to it. You are focused on it. You've made sure to get more of it. Because you love it that much. You give it. So therefore, if you're not giving, if, if your devotional life is not growing, it's because you don't value God. Let me help you out. This is an objective standard now. You can't fake this. You can't make it. This is what's happening as a reality in your life. You can come to church all the while, let impress people, let you think that you love God and that you worshiping God. You can try to deceive your kids that you love God because you come to church, but they know the truth. They know what you spend time doing and what you've given attention to. And if you don't give attention to it, that means it's not a value to you. In our Christian little bubble, we say, oh yeah, I love God. Oh, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. The problem with that is if that does not translate to your closet and you and Jesus, then it's lip service. It's not the authentic truth. Say that, Pastor. Say that, Pastor. Say that, Pastor. Say that. Say it! I'm trying to help you. I ain't done yet. I ain't done yet. I ain't done yet. I ain't done If you want to know what you value, you got to notice what you give attention to. And if you want to know what you give attention to, watch what's growing in your life. So if all you want is more money, then you go give attention to it, and therefore it's going to grow. If all you want is more real estate, ah, 
even though you can't get it now or even though it's too expensive now. <laughs> if that's what you want, then you're going to listen to everything real estate related. Nothing wrong with that. Except if you don't have room for God because you're so addicted to it. No, 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 no. Let me show you the concept in your, in your, in your notes now. Watch it now. I'm going to add one more word to you. Here we go. What you value, ladies and gentlemen, you give attention to it. What you give attention to grows. Watch it now. But whatever you give attention to, you create an appetite for. And whatever you create an appetite for, you continue to give attention to it. So therefore, it continues to grow. So now you have attention, appetite, attention, appetite, attention, appetite, attention, appetite, growing, 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 growing. No, that's what's supposed to happen in your Christian life with you and God. But when you clutter everything else up, all of a sudden now you don't have room for God because the attention and the appetite has grown so large, you don't have no time for God no more. It's operating in the background of your life, and you don't even know it. This principle is so important that we are in the mess we're in today because of it. I ain't done with you yet. It's operating in the background of your life. So, whatever you give attention to uh, reveals what you value. Whatever you gets your attention always grows. Now, listen, number three says, and whatever you have an appetite for will determine the direction and the future of your life. Let me, let's, let's leave that one right there. Let me tell you about appetite. Let me tell you why this is working, lurking and working in the background of your life. Let me tell you why this is so important. Because when you have attention to it, you grow your appetite. Listen, so when this appetite grows, there's something about appetites that you need to know. Number one, they come from God. But Satan broke them with sin. Sin broke it. So you love food. And you love food. And in America, we get all kinds of different countries' foods. And we, we got Chinese and French and Italian. And we got it all, all countries. They come all up in here. And you love it. But food taken too far grows. <laughs> you got it. You got, you got it. It grows, and grows, and grows, and grows, and you can't hide it. It grows. <laughs> come on, come on, come on, come on. So, 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 you got to be careful then about that appetite, because one, it, it comes from God, but it's broken because of sin. Number two, you can't ever satisfy finally and fully an appetite, ever, until you die. It always says more. And it always says more. And it always says more. Here's number three. You ready for this? The appetite always whispers. It never yells. It whispers. And it says, I don't want it later. I want it now. I want it right now. I'm not waiting till later. Give it to me and give it to me now. Listen, 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 listen. It's working in the background of your life every single day. Every day. And because it is, you don't even realize it. It's one of Satan's choice strategies so you don't spend time with God. Now watch the text, because it's in the text. That's why I want you to watch it. 
Now, having explained that, watch the appetites. Let's go back to the text, verse number 39. Watch this. Go to verse number 39. So, Mary was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. Next verse. Next verse. But Martha was distracted by an appetite. She was giving attention to something. But it's a Collin County something. It's a suburb. It's a suburban something. But Martha was distracted with all her preparation, and she came up to him and said, Lord, don't you see? Don't you care, Lord? Uh, the, thing I'm a, the thing I have the appetite for, the thing I've given attention is organization. The thing I've given attention, God, is I want people to respect me. And when you come to my house, it's supposed to be nice. Stuff's supposed to be laid out. It's supposed to look beautiful. The food's supposed to be ready. And it's not. Therefore, God, I'm not going to be envied because one of my, uh, one of my um, appetites is I want to be envied. I want everybody to want to be me. I have you in my house, but the house ain't ready yet, and I need it to be ready. So I'm going to give attention to what I think is important because I value responsibility. I value things looking right. I value being envied. And because I value that, God, I'm giving it to attention and I don't care if you're here, I'm going to give it more attention. So here was, here's what happened. Come, here, come up here, Pastor Matt. Here's what happened. And Satan does this perfectly. He is the deceiver. And what you say, Mr. Business Guy, Mr. CEO, Mr. I run my own company, Mr. I, I'm the entrepreneur, here's what you say. You say, I'm going after winning because that's an appetite too. I want to win. I want to win. And I want to win this month. And I want to be salesman of the year. And I want the company shares to go up. And nothing wrong with that. But you want to win. So here's what Satan says. Satan says, after the win, you can do your merry moment. After the win, you can spend some time with Jesus. But until then, just put it off till tomorrow because you're going to get this win. You're going to crush this thing. And when you crush it, everybody's going to lord it over you. And of course, you want to be envied too. You want everybody to be just like you. Suburbia. That's what you want. You want to know that everybody says, oh, I wish I could be like that. How do you do it? Can you coach me? Can you help me? Because you want to win. And you want to win at all costs. So now, Pastor Matt, turn it around. Turn that, turn that one around. So here's what Satan says. Here's what Satan says. Satan says, uh, 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 yeah, that one. Satan says, Satan says, here's what I want. I want your mirror moment to be on the other side of what you're currently giving attention to. So here's what he does. He says, no, no, no. You won't get to it. It's important. It's important. You won't get to it. But until then, Martha, until then, Martha, just, I know you got good, good skills. I know you can organize. I know you want to execute. But once we get there, and then when you get there now, Satan then moves it again. And he says, okay, 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 okay. You did good, but look beside you. You did a million this month. They did 10 million. You can do it too. I know you can. You can do it. You have time for God in this life. But, but I promise you, you're going to get God. The next one. And so you keep, because what's his job? To whisper, I need it now. You need to win now. What's the next one? You need responsibility now. You need to be responsible. You need to show everybody that you can handle all of this. And so it's responsibility. And so when you go and you move it and you get the responsibility and that needs man, say, he said, oh, okay, God. And he moved it again. 
And now he says, yeah, but you want to be the envy of all. You don't just want to be good. You want to be the best in the industry. Oh, you can do this. Oh, yes, I know you can. Just a little more effort. Just a one more day at work. Just one more night. Just, just grinding it. Come on, get your hustle on. Get you listening to Gary Vee. Get your hustle on. Don't listen. To, by the way, if you listen to Gary Vee, listen to the clean version, not the unclean version. But anyway, uh, and you're crushing it. And he's okay, okay, okay. No, I just want to be envied. And you keep pushing off the merry moment because of an appetite that you have, that you're giving attention to, that will never be fully and finally met. If you just understood what I said, give God a round of applause right there. Come on. Thanks, Pastor Matt. This is critical, ladies and gentlemen. It really is. It's critical. Here we go. Now, the problem is <clears throat> that you don't realize that that one decision for your appetite will ruin your entire future because you had an appetite woo, that you never said no to. You don't believe me, do you? Genesis chapter 39. Two men. Esau, Jacob. You don't remember, do you? Esau and Jacob, Esau said, hey, bro, I'm hungry. Jacob said, no worries, I'll give you whatever you want. I'll make you, I'll make you some jerk chicken, some collard greens, some, I'll make you whatever you want. I'll give it to you, but you got to give me your birthright. You got to give me your birthright. I know how to get to you, and that's through your belly. So I wait till you're tired until you say in the text, I, I'm about to die. You ain't about to die, fool. You ain't about to die. But he is convinced because that's what it does. It blows it up. And he's convinced that he's about to die. So now here's, watch this. Don't miss this. And then we get to the mirror story. Don't miss this. Here's what he doesn't realize. Esau, when God goes to Moses, and he says, Moses, Moses, you know what he's going to say? I am the father. Moses is going to say, Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. That's what it's supposed to say. When he goes to the genealogy of Jesus, you know what it's supposed to say? Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. That's what it's supposed to say. His whole generation, his whole legacy, his whole, his whole family. In this moment, he don't see it. He's only, my God, he's only seeing his appetite. That's all he's seeing. And he kills himself over this appetite. And today, we fight in wars over that appetite. But don't look at Esau, look at your own life. You think, well, I'm just not making room for this. It's not a big deal. I'm just trying to crush it so that my family can be taken care of for the rest of their lives. And so nobody in my generation got the work. So we can all have financial freedom and all of us can be free. While selling your soul. 
You're not making room for God because you're believing that I just got to satisfy this appetite, so I got to give attention to it. Nobody is saying you shouldn't work hard. Nobody is showing you shouldn't get your hustle on. Nobody is saying you shouldn't have your side gig. Nobody is saying you shouldn't do any of that. But we're saying, Mary moments, feet of Jesus. Martha's tendencies, fulfilling and paying attention to things that are good things. But in that moment, what needed to happen was you needed to be feasting on Jesus. And you needed to not realize that your tendencies are more important than Jesus. See, part of the challenge that we have, part of the challenge that we have is that many of us don't even realize it. But this is what your life looks like. Jesus comes to you every morning and he's knocking. I need some time with you. And your life looks like that. It's cluttered. There's no room for him. And you did this to yourself. So it's st- everything is in there, and, and God says, where am I going to fit? Where am I going to fit? And you say, not today, God, tomorrow. No, 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 God, I don't have time for you today, God. If you come back tomorrow, I'm good. Or if today there's a crisis, then I'll drop some stuff and come to you. But right now, I think I got it all under control. I don't need you right now, God. Let's take a look. What's in, the, what's in your closet? Christmas decoration. What the heck is this doing in there? What, what, what's in your closet? What's in your closet? Some. Some throws. What's in your closet? What's in here? What the heck is a bit? What's in your closet? You got to take some stuff out. You got to make room for it. You can't even wear it anymore, but it's in your closet. <laughs> you ain't been in this in four years. It can't fit you no more. Look at it. It can't. No, let me not do that. It can't fit you no more. And you still. God says, can you, can you create some room for me, please, so I can function in here? What's all this junk being in here? I need you to create some room for me. What's this ball doing in here? What's all this shoes being in here? Get it out of there so you can have some room for me. Unclutter it so you can have some room for him. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this principle is working in the background of all of our lives. Every last one of us, whether you like students, hey, come here. If you're a student and you're in here today, I need you to listen to me because Satan is going to convince you that you have to give attention to that appetite. Now, what's supposed to happen is, what God desires is that you create room By having these sacred rhythms to your life. Listen, 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 listen. Having these sacred rhythms to your life. So that your appetite for him can increase. So that you give him more attention and you get more appetite for him. And you give him more attention. And you get more appetite, more attention, more appetite for God. So that your affections for God will increase. So that you grow in your relationship with him. But it starts with you valuing God at such a level that you you give him your attention. So now it grows your appetite. So now you grow in your relationship with God. 
But when you don't realize it, since you don't value him, I mean, you do, you do the, the, the mouthing of it, but since you don't, with your time, value him, then your appetite for him does not grow. So when you love, ooh, I knew I'd get in trouble. Why well, I do this only? I never did this for none of them other services. So when you love secular music more than sacred music, No wonder, since you give so much at, ooh, this is my jam. Hey, hey, hey. No wonder, no wonder your appetite for it increases. Somebody in here needed to hear that. Because that didn't come to my mind for no other service but this one. So somebody online or somebody in here, let me say it again, let me say it again. Let me say it again. So when, 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 when Christian music bores you, And secular music excites you. They cussing, they doing everything that God said you shouldn't do in the music, and you, your heart just beats for it. You can't wait. You can't. You can't. I, I can't do that. Uh, you can't wait. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm good. I'm gonna behave. I'm gonna behave. You can't wait to hear your pajamas. And it stirs up stuff from your worldly past. But you anoint it as if it's okay. And you still haven't spent any time with Jesus. No, this is not to say you can't listen to secular music, so don't go too far. But what it is saying is, if your heart yearns for that which is secular more than that which is sacred, the enemy has done a number on you. Well, let's get through this before y'all run out of here. Come on, let's get through it. Let's get through it. Let's get through it. So there are two, two words I want you to focus on, focalism and impact bias. Watch what the enemy does. Don't ever forget these two and teach this to the next generation. Focalism and impact bias. Here we go. Number one, focalism is that focuses your mind on one thing and blur, blurs out everything else. Impact bias takes a simple appetite and magnifies it out of control. That's what it does. Satan just wants you to focus on one thing and blow it up. So that all you think about, all you focus on is that one thing. Now, in light of that, that's what's working in the background. This week and next week, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to show you how to fix that. Next week we're going to be in, you can read it for yourself, Matthew 11, uh, 28 to 30. We're going to hang out there all of next week. Two verses, uh, three verses. That's all we can handle. So right now, uh, let's finish. Go turn the page over now, and let me show you what happens with this Mary moment and this Martha tendency. It's Mary moments before Martha tendency. There are four things that happen that add value to your life. Don't miss these. When you do these Mary moments, what God is saying simply is this. If you look at a sponge, when the sponge is immersed in the spirit of the living God, you come out with blessings upon people because you have been immersed. When the sponge is dry, you're now operating in the flesh, which is why when people do things that you don't like, when you are dry, now it becomes an attack against them instead of, when you do your merry moments, a blessing toward them. 
because when you're dry and you're operating with your Martha tendencies, you're going to now use people and they'll get on your nerves so you'll get them out of the way instead of loving them when you're immersed ah, in your merry moment before you start your Martha tendencies. What's the four blessings out of it? Number one, it helps you listen to the Lord. It helps you listen to the Lord. You see, there's, there's things you can only see in the natural when you're doing it in the flesh. But when you slow down with your merry moments, now you get to listen to God. My kids, my kids, my kids, every time they're, they're watching TV or something upstairs, I come upstairs and I said, I'm yelling, hey guys, hey guys, come on downstairs. Let's, let's go do something. Let's go play. Let's go have dinner, something. And, and I hear nothing. So I walk a little further up the stairs. Hey guys, come on guys, let's go, let's go. I hear nothing. So I walk into the media room. Hey, hey guys, didn't you hear me? No dad, you need to speak louder. I will not tell you that conversation, but it, it didn't go that well um, because I own the TV and the remote control to control that. So no, sir, what you need to do, young man, is turn it down so that you can hear me when I talk. You do the same thing to God. The noise of your life is so loud when God speaks, you can't hear him. He is speaking, but because the noise in your life is so loud... You never hear what he has to say. And so you keep doing what you're doing until he has to break it. So now you can hear his voice. Because if he didn't break it, you still would not be listening. There's a, there, there, whenever you have radios, all our security team have radios. All our, the police officers have radios. And when you take a radio, to, or, or you're talking to each other on the radio. If you go on the ocean, 10 to 15 miles, you can hear each other clearly. If you take it to the forest, it takes it down to about four miles. And because of the trees, you can't hear as well, but about four miles, you can hear pretty clearly. If you take it down, same radius, take it down to downtown Dallas, it can only go half a mile. Because there are buildings between where you are. And so the buildings, because of them, you can't hear clearly because the connection cannot be made. Ladies and gentlemen, you have too many buildings between you and God. And God wants you to clear them away so you can hear his voice. You got to learn to listen. Come on, you can clap that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number two. Number two. It gives you discernment in your decisions. It gives you discernment in your decisions. Business makes you see the obvious, but when you have merry moments, you can see through God's perspective. All you can see is in the natural if you want to see in the supernatural, then you got to get quiet and low so you can hear from God. Number three says, is, is you move now and it puts you at peace with other people. When you have your merry moments and it precedes your Martha tendencies, now you don't see people as, 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 as pawns to be used. Now you see people through gospel-centered eyes. And now you get to love them through their drama. But you don't get that unless you have your mirror moment. By the way, so if people are becoming a constant irrita irritation to you, it's because you don't have your mirror moment. Don't blame the person. It's you. It's you don't have the mirror moment to be sitting at his feet. Here we go. The next one, last one. It helps you worship without worrying. 
It helps you worship without Mary, Martha comes to Jesus and is worrying. Let me say that again because you didn't get it. Martha comes to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and is worrying. Martha, don't you know, don't you know whose presence you're in? But she's still worrying. Why? Because she missed the merry moments. And when you miss it, then you worry. This is all about the, the, the portion. When he says good portion, it refers to food. Psalm 16 verse 5 suggests that it is, it's the word that he uses here, which is the word that he gets from Psalm 65, which then moves to John chapter 6 verse 35, where he says, I am the bread of life. Here's what Jesus is saying. You worried about food when you got the bread of life here? You should be feasting on me, not on the physical food. What he's suggesting to you is, before you go out and face the world tomorrow, feast on me. The bread of life. The living water. Before you go to anybody else, is what he's suggesting. So in light of that, let's go to the last thing, and we'll continue this next week. Look at the last circle around your page, and let me give you four words, and then one word in between all, and then we're done. The four words are silence and, and solitude. Second one, Sabbath. Third one, simplicity. Fourth one, slowing. If you're going to create room for God with an unhurried life, you need to have silence and solitude. You need to create the Sabbath. You need to have simplicity. And you need to slow down. I'm going to give you a word between each of those. Write these down. They're not, on, they're not in your notes. Write them down. Between silence and solitude and Sabbath, I want you to put scheduled pauses. Scheduled pause. I want in your day for you to have pauses for merry moments. In your day. Pauses for merry moments. There's the, on my schedule now, there are, these, there are these pauses, scheduled pauses, that's an appointment on my schedule. So Because I need times in my day where I can pause. Pause to reflect and to remind myself of my mission. I need it. So you can come up sometimes and they say, yeah, he's not available. Because of that, they'll know, they won't tell you this, but because, perhaps, it's a silent pause, a scheduled pause, and it's there intentionally so that I don't lose my mind. I'm not going to cut you off, but so that I don't lose my mind and talk crazy, and you need it too, because if you don't, you'll get more irritable as your days go on. Number two. Watch this now. Between Sabbath and simplicity, I want you to put the word saying no. You got to say no so your closet don't get full again. You got to learn to tell people no. Quit making every decision about your identity, man. It's not about, well, I don't want to disappoint them. I want to please them. I want to please them. You ain't going to please. Listen, you ain't going to please everybody, and you ain't going to please most people. Because you can please them today and then tomorrow they manage you because you didn't do the same thing you said the first day. So quit trying to please everybody and just focus on pleasing God. So you learn to say no. Practice it with me. No. Practice it two times. Practice it with me. One more time. That's it. You need to learn to say that. No. Between simplicity and slowing, you need to, here's the words, prioritize Jesus. Prioritize Jesus. Make sure you hit him up first thing in the morning. Between slowing and silence and solitude, you need to, here we go now, here's the phrase, incorporate friends in your well. Let me say that two more times. Incorporate friends in your well. Last time. Incorporate friends in your well. Let me tell you what I mean. That means that you have some people in your life, at least two maximum, you can't have more than three. If you have more than three, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Two or three. 
that knows what it is to sit in your well. Let me explain. When you sit in your well, it means you're at the bottom of life. And um, they know everything there is to know about you. And they still love you. And they still sit with you. There is no hypocrisy there. Because they love you, not because of who you are or what you do, but just because of you. And they don't care how bad you did. They still love you. If you don't have two friends like that, you ain't living yet. And if you tell me you have ten, you have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> Come on this side now. If you don't have those friends, then you can't minister to somebody else when they go to the bottom of the well for them. Ladies and gentlemen, you need good two of them. Don't try to get five, two. Who can walk, and it can't be a spouse. And it can't be somebody of the opposite sex. Who can love you just for you. Can I get a witness, somebody? <laughs> Let me put Bible on it. Let me put Bible on it. Let me put Bible on it. Here we go. Why? Because as you confess your sins one to another, healing takes place. Now, okay, now everybody, when I start now, nobody else can move. What I'm about to do, nobody else can move. So if you leave it, you need, okay, good, 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 good. Nobody else can move. We're going into two minutes of silence. Nobody move right now. And we're going to spend some time with God. And it's going to be uncomfortable, but it's going to be okay. Two minutes, you and God, telling him you're sorry, creating the room, telling him today. I'm not putting it off tomorrow. I'm going to spend time with you, God, today. If you're at home, you do the same thing. Everything away, everything quieted down. Two minutes starting right now, you and God alone. Let's practice what it feels like for two minutes. Just you and God. Thank him, praise him, make promises to him about making room for him. Thirty seconds.
face and see that the Lord is good. God, we increase our appetite for you. We increase our attention and our affection for you. Will you teach us afresh how to do that, God? We're sorry when we've lived such cluttered lives. We're sorry when everything else is more important than you. Will you forgive us for that, God? And then will you remind us of what the abundant life really, really, really is? Merry moment before Martha Tendency. May that be the heart and the spirit of this house. May every person online and every person in-house, every person at every service, every person at every campus, prioritize this week, prioritize today, creating room for you. God, will you please, will you, for every person under the sound of my voice, will you please, will you please, let us do it today. Let's not wait till tomorrow, because it's going to whisper, you can do it tomorrow. Help us to feed the appetite, the yearning for you, the affection for you today. Help us to carve that time out when we just bask in your presence. May that not be foreign to our kids. May they run in and say, teach me to do what you just did. May that be normal in this church for people to talk more about their time with you than about what they did for you. May that be normal in this house as we bask in the presence of our great and incredible God. Lead us now. We pray in Jesus' name. Now, if you are grateful for your God, and if you can't wait to spend time with your God, will you celebrate his goodness now? That's it. That's it, fam. That's it. 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 That's it.